Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Once upon a time, there was a very rich man who was near death. Having worked hard all his life, he desperately wanted to be able to take some of his wealth with him to heaven. An exception was made, and this man was given special permission by an angel to bring one suitcase. Overjoyed, the man gathered his largest suitcase, filled it with pure gold bars, and placed it beside his bed. Soon afterward, the man died and showed up at the pearly gates where he was greeted by Peter. Seeing the suitcase, Peter said, Hold on, you can't bring that in here. But the rich man explained that he had been granted permission. St. Peter checked out the story and confirmed it, saying, You're right, you're allowed one carry-on bag, but I'm supposed to check its contents before letting it go through. So Peter opened the suitcase to inspect the worldly items that the man found too precious to leave behind. As the lid sprang back to reveal the gold, Peter exclaimed, Why in the world would you bring pavement? In the New Jerusalem, gold will be so plentiful, it will be the pavement on which people will walk. And it's rightly said that no one will be poor in a place that paves its streets with gold. And no one who dwells on the new earth and reigns with Christ there will be poor. They will be rich in Him. As members of the body of Christ, our riches in Christ are found in heaven. As Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The last half of Revelation 21.21 21 and verse 22 read, And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Up to this point in the description of the New Jerusalem, the Apostle John has given details about the city as a whole, its construction materials, its dimensions, and its exterior wall and gates. Next in his vision of the Holy Jerusalem, John begins to note the details of the interior, beginning with its street. Like the rest of the New Jerusalem, the street of the city is made of the purest, highest quality gold. It is so pure that it is as transparent as clear glass, which allows the light of the glory of God to glow without impediment. Now, the singular form of street here perhaps refers to all the streets of the city, probably because that all the streets would be connected. Or John might be referring to the city's main street, the primary thoroughfare in the New Jerusalem. But the point here is that we find the most sought after of metals is put to such a common use. In the past, in the temple built by King Solomon, the floor was gold. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold within and without. The priests of God that ministered in Solomon's temple walked on a gold floor. Likewise, in the New Jerusalem, the priests of God, or the believing of the nation of Israel, will walk on a street of gold one day. 
The words, and I saw, in verse 22 indicate that as John's gaze fell on the interior of the city, he was surprised by what he did not see. The temple was the prominent feature in old Jerusalem where God's presence dwelt, and Israel worshipped him and brought their animal sacrifices. The temple will also be the prominent feature in the millennial kingdom in Jerusalem, That is where Christ will have his throne and will rule and reign as king over all the earth. But unlike old Jerusalem and Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom, there will be no temple in the new Jerusalem. Interestingly, the book of Revelation often refers to the temple in the third heaven, such as Revelation 11, 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. But unlike the one in the third heaven, there will be no temple in the New Jerusalem. The dimensions of the New Jerusalem, however, teach us that it will be an enormous holy of holies. It is cubed shape, just like the holy of holies. It contains the presence of God, just like the Holy of Holies in the past. As Revelation 21.3 teaches, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and God himself shall be with them. Within this Holy of Holies city, there is no temple, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it, verse 22 says. The whole city, infused with the glory and presence of the Lord God Almighty, will be all temple and nothing but temple. God is the temple of it, and God's presence is in every part of it. Thus, the New Jerusalem is a place where the worship of God will pervade every part, and all places will be devoted to Him. John says that the Lamb is also the temple of the New Jerusalem. Israel was reminded that the Lamb, the one who was their sacrificial substitute, who paid for all of their sins at the cross, will dwell with them in the New Jerusalem. The thought of Christ's sacrifice will forever be before all the family of God, both in heaven and on the new earth, especially because Christ forever bears the scars of Calvary in his hands and feet. His scars of love, along with the title of the Lamb, will be constant reminders of his sacrifice for sin, so that Israel may dwell in his presence eternally. During our Lord's earthly ministry, the Lord told the Jews in the temple, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. The Lamb, that is God in the person of Jesus Christ, in the temple of his body, will be the temple of the new Jerusalem. A temple is a place where God is worshipped, served, and praised. For eternity, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be honored, lifted up, served, and worshipped by Israel because of what He has done for them in dying for their sins and rising again the third day. And we, the body of Christ, will do the same thing in the heavenlies. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. 
But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Revelation, Volume 4, is a hardcover, 250-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler and Pastor Kevin Sadler and covers Revelation 21 through 2221. In this fourth and final volume, we explore God's great love and grace in creating such a magnificent dwelling place for His bride, Israel, in the New Jerusalem. And the judgment of all the lost of all times at the great white throne is a ready reminder for believers to be faithful in sharing the gospel of the grace of God. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Revelation 21-23 says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. On the fourth day of creation, God created the sun, moon, and stars to give light to the earth and to mark the seasons, days, and years. The new Jerusalem will have no need of the light of the sun or the light of the moon. In the midst of this structural wonder of New Jerusalem, the light of the Lord and His glory will illuminate the entire city. In the beginning, God waited until the fourth day before He created the sun, moon, and stars because He wants man to understand that He, as God, is far above His creation and these heavenly bodies. Many in the past and still even today worship the sun, moon, and stars. But God is greater than them all. He is sovereign, He is almighty, and all-powerful. The presence of light on day one of creation preceded the creation of the sun, moon, and stars on day four of the creation week. And this teaches that the light of the sun, moon, and stars comes from Him. And the light that shone forth on the first day of creation was the light of the glory of God. And in the eternal state, God will dwell in the new Jerusalem, and God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5 says. And it is the fullness of God's presence and the light of His glory that will illumine the holy city. In the past, in the temple in Jerusalem, as well as in the tabernacle, there was no natural light in the holy place or the holy of holies. The holy place had no windows. It was illuminated not by the light of the sun or the moon, but by the golden candlestick. The holy of holies had neither windows nor candlestick. It was illuminated by the Shekinah glory of God's presence. Likewise, the New Jerusalem, being a gigantic holy of holies, it will be illuminated not by the light of the sun or the moon, 
but by the glory of God's presence. The Apostle John adds, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And that's easy to understand, for the Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world. God's Son, as Hebrews 1.3 puts it, is the very brightness of God's glory. Before King Agrippa, uh, Paul described the overwhelming light of Christ's glory on the Damascus road this way. At midday, O King, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Similarly, when the Lord transfigured on the mount before Peter, James, and John, his face did shine as the sun in his raiment was white as the light. The light of the Son of God and His bright glory will light the eternal city. J. Vernon McGee rightly put it, it truly will be the Jesus Christ light and power company then. The whole 1,400 cubic mile city will transmit the above the brightness of the sunlight of Christ in prodigious beauty, color, and intensity. A son once asked his father, Dad, can you tell me what a solar eclipse is? He replied, No, son. Revelation 21-23 does not mean that there will be no more sun and no more moon in the new heaven and new earth, as is commonly taught. Like the earth, the sun and the moon will endure forever. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass, the word of God says. Revelation 21-23 shows that it only pertains to the light within the new Jerusalem. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. The Apostle John is simply pointing out that the light of the sun and the light of the moon are not needed to illuminate it because the glory of God is its light forever. Isaiah 60, 19 puts it this way, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee in everlasting light, in thy God, thy glory. In the new Jerusalem, the glory of God will outshine the natural lights of the sun and moon into paleness, but the sun and the moon will continue to serve their purposes as ordained by God to provide their light to the rest of the new earth. Revelation twenty-one twenty-four reads, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Interestingly, we learn here how there will be nations in the new earth, and that these nations will have kings and rulers. These nations are made up of people, as verse 24 says, which are saved. And these nations will have kings, those in positions of authority over them. We see in this how the nations will remain forever distinct from the nation Israel in the new earth. The new Jerusalem is the great hope of the nation Israel. 
the Gentiles, which are saved under the prophetic program, will walk in the light of its great glory. But they won't have the same position as Israel. The nations will bring riches to the New Jerusalem, but they will be seen as separate from the nation Israel. Today, under grace, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile. However, under Israel's program, there was most definitely a difference between Jew and Gentile. Israel was God's chosen people in the apple of his eye. They had the primary position above the Gentiles, and the Gentile nations had to come through Israel to be saved. Israel's position of being chief among all the nations will remain for all eternity. The New Jerusalem is the eternal home of the Bride of Christ, the nation Israel. She will be exalted in Christ there, living and dwelling in God's presence forever. I personally believe that these believing Gentiles of God's prophetic program will dwell outside the New Jerusalem, in the new earth with its increased land area and sinless, perfect environment. These believing nations will come to visit the capital city of the new earth, New Jerusalem, and will always be welcome within its walls and to enter into its gates to enjoy its beauty and to worship the Lord God Almighty. In eternity, the nations will do for Israel what they will have done during the millennial kingdom. They will bring their glory or riches to Jerusalem. Isaiah 61.6 prophesies of the millennium, But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. And in the eternal state, John writes that the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor and riches into the new Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus Christ is the King of kings. For all eternity, there will be nations and kings of nations. Christ is the king over all kings in the past, present, future, and in eternity. These believing leaders of peoples, out of their willing submission and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, will bring all that constitutes their nation's glory, whether that be treasures, crowns, robes, fruits, fine works of art, and so on. It will be a love offering, and they will bring it willingly to give it to the Lord and the nation of Israel. They won't just lay the offering at the gate of the city. These kings of the nations are saved. They have access to the city and God's presence within it. Thus, John writes that they will bring their glory and honor into the city. You get a glimpse here into the social life of the New Jerusalem, like cities are. It will be cosmopolitan and, and bustling with activity, with people from all over the New Earth coming and going. Revelation 21, 25-26 says, And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Making access easy for the kings of the earth when they bring their honor and glory to the new Jerusalem, it says the gates of the city will always be open. These gates of pearl, 
are not barriers. They are only entrances. The kings of the earth will give a nod of greeting to the angel at the gate and go right on through the open entrance with their treasures and riches to give them gladly to to the Lord and to Israel. These kings going into the new Jerusalem show how the worship of God will change for Israel in the eternal state. The temple of the past was to be called of all nations the house of prayer. A court of the Gentiles had been built in the second temple, but Gentiles were not permitted to proceed any closer than that in in their court. And they were not permitted into the inner courts of the temple. In fact, a riot started and Paul was attacked and almost torn to shreds when he was falsely accused of bringing a Gentile into the inner courts of the temple. In the New Jerusalem, however, Gentiles will go through the gate without restriction into the very presence of God. In the New Jerusalem, believing Gentiles will encounter no barriers in their worship of God. Motel 6 advertises using the slogan, we'll leave the light on for you. The light will always be on in the New Jerusalem. Notice how John puts verse 25. I like how he puts it. He doesn't say that the gates won't be closed at night because there will be no night. He says the gates won't be closed during the day and there will never ever be any night there. The city will radiate light brighter than the noonday sun from the glory of God all the time. With God's presence always in the city and the glory of God as its eternal light, that light will never go off. Therefore, in the New Jerusalem, there will be no night there. Without any night... The only possibility of the gates being shut is during the day. So John writes that the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. They won't be shut, and there is no reason to shut them. All enemies have been cast into the lake of fire forever. The city will be completely and eternally secure. It will be a place of safety and rest. Those 12 open gates in the New Jerusalem are a picture of free access to God's presence for the redeemed. Israel and the nations in the eternal state will have the blessing of free access into God's glorious presence in that city at all times. They will enter without hesitation, knowing they are welcome in His presence. One commentator put it well, Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, there has been a barrier to access. Adam feared communication with God and hid himself. When Israel accepted the yoke of the law, immediately they were not allowed access to Mount Sinai on pain of death. When the tabernacle and later the temple also was constructed, God placed the symbol of his presence in the innermost compartment as far from sinful man as possible, and he could only come through his representative, the high priest, with the blood of an offering. Now, in the new Jerusalem, all blockages to access are removed forever. And we too, as members of the church, the body of Christ, have free access 
to God, even now, as Paul writes, in whom, that is Christ, we, that is the body of Christ, have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Through the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ and through his shed blood, we have boldness and access to God the Father with confidence. At all times, we can bring our requests to the Father in prayer with boldness and confidence. And then when we pass from this life, we know we will immediately enter into heaven's glory because we have access to the Father with confidence by the faithfulness of our Savior. For eternity, we will have access to God and dwell in God's presence in the heavenlies. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. After telling of those who will freely go through the open gates into the city, John reminds the reader of who will never enter the new Jerusalem. Nothing or nobody that is impure will ever enter holy Jerusalem's gates. The wholesomeness and purity of the city will never be defiled by evil. John writes with the authority of God here when he writes that unclean sinners, sinners who work abominations and deceitful sinners, will in no way ever enter into it. Revelation 21.8 reminds us, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death in the lake of fire is eternal separation from the presence of God. It is for this reason that all unbelieving sinners will in no way ever come through the gates into the presence of God in the new Jerusalem. They will all be in the lake of fire and they will be there forever. There is no escaping their eternal place of torment. John writes that the only ones who are permitted to enter the gates of New Jerusalem are they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only believers who have life in Christ and who belong to Him are granted entrance into the New Jerusalem. Primarily, this verse pertains to those with an earthly hope, believing Israel and the believing Gentiles under the prophetic program who have their names written in the book of life. This does, however, give us another hint that we in the body of Christ also will be able to visit and enter the city because the Apostle Paul writes that the individual members of the body of Christ also, that we have our names recorded and sealed in the book of life. It will be a glorious thing for all who are in the book of life to experience this magnificent place and to give God the honor and praise for it. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.